In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We now go to chapter 24 of St. Luke. The disciples on the road to Emmaus had realized that their hearts were burning within them. It was uh, a fire of longing to be with the Master, to stay with him. That's why, as he made like he was going away, he said, Mane nobiscum domine, stay with us, Lord. It was like a prayer that expressed that inner fire, that desire to be with the Lord, the wonder of being close to him, of being listened to him. And that's what we tell the Lord now, as we begin our prayer, Manu Nobiscum Domine, stay with us, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Stay with me throughout the day. As you listen to me and as I speak to you. Pope John Paul II wrote a beautiful apostolic letter back in 2004 during the year of the Eucharist. And it was titled like that, Mane Nobiscum Domine. And he talks about that at the very beginning of that letter, about how they felt their hearts were burning within them, about those disciples. As he spoke to them and explained the scriptures, he unlocked the scriptures. The light of the word unlocked the hardness of their hearts and opened their eyes, opened their eyes. Amidst the shadows of the passing day and the darkness that clouded their spirit, the wayfarer brought a ray of light which rekindled their hope and led their hearts to yearn yearn for the fullness of light. That's how he explains it. Stay with us, they pleaded, and he agreed. Soon afterwards, Jesus' face would disappear, yet the master would, quote, stay with them, hidden in the breaking of the bread, which had opened their eyes to recognize them. It's a beautiful way of introducing this apostolic letter, talking about this marvelous event, the breaking of the bread, as the Eucharist was called in the early times, fraxio panis, that's how they called it, they didn't call it Eucharist, they didn't call it Mass, they called it fraxio panis. And that, of course, had been right there at the very center of the Church's life, 
Fraxupanes. They got together and they did the same thing as a way of keeping Jesus with them. But now in today's gospel, from let's say just after that event, the, the disciples of Emmaus come to the cynical and they're together, hidden away with the rest of the apostles and the disciples and, and the holy women. And they were very excited about what they had seen, what they had understood. Their minds were now illuminated. They were no longer glum and dull and downtrodden. They were enthused and they were rambling and talking and talking and it was just, you know, no, everybody was trying to understand what they were saying. They were talking at a mile a minute and uh, already the expression seems to have been fixed there. Because later uh, it said that they remembered, they'd say, remember when he broke the bread? When he broke the bread, so the breaking of the bread was already an expression. So let's do that now in remembrance of him. That was the beginning of the liturgy, was doing, doing something in remembrance of him. It was the act of sharing that bread. It was the act of recounting the word, recounting the events. They would say, well, then he said this, and then he did that. And then remember how that point, part happened in, in the day when he healed the leper? Or They would be recounting the events. And then they would break the bread. And soon enough, these things were written down. The miracles, the exchanges with the Pharisees, uh, of course, the events of the Passion and so forth, eventually all those things were, were written down for subsequent communities to keep sharing. And so the liturgy and the actions of the liturgy really came before Scripture itself. There were probably hymns too, psalms that they sang together. And after Our Lady was assumed, some of the psalms or some of the hymns included hymns to Our Lady. Scott Hans says that. He says that he was amazed when he was a Protestant that in the earliest, earliest church there were already hymns to Our Lady. And yet there was no debate about it. Nobody even questioned it. The earliest hymns. And if you have a hymn already, that means that that uh, everybody has accepted the truth that lies behind the hymn. There were hymns of thanksgiving, and all things that reflected what they believed, how they lived the liturgy. This is, you could say, how they brought them back to life. But now, in that moment of agitation, he comes to them, and the first words that he says are, Peace be with you. Shalom. Shalom. And it's a, well, okay, it's a fairly common Jewish expression, but it's not exactly like saying hi. It's, it's peace be with you. But also, it means peace, but it also has a sense of salvation. It kind of means salvation be with you but he says peace I mean peace meaning 
Like if he says, peace be with you, it means that they needed peace because they were in upheaval, they were full of anxiety, they were full of stress, they were full of agitation, they were full of doubt. And uh, then he sits down and says, you guys have, uh, have some anything to eat here? Do you have anything to eat? And he, because they thought he was a ghost, but he showed them, look, what ghost eats a piece of fried fish? I mean, no, no ghost has to eat that. And bit by bit, he calmed their minds. He made them see it was really him. They were agitated because they couldn't understand how somebody could get in without, without unlocking the doors. Imagine if somebody just appeared here all of a sudden and didn't ring the bell. You'd be kind of surprised. How'd you get in here? Have you been here the whole time? Hidden in some closet? He appears all of a sudden. The doors are closed. Which, of course, explains the reaction of surprise and so forth. But we know he had that quality of what they call subtility, that he had a body, but also he could go through doors. He, he had a resurrected body. He wasn't the regular type of body. It was quite the upgrade, let's say. Peace be with you. And we can imagine that after showing to them that it was really him, they were filled with peace and joy. Our centers have to be places of joyful peace, not, ju not places of agitation and worry. They have to be serene, peaceful places it gives us all confidence when a person is here that this place is a place of God, that there's something here from God. That's re-emphasized when things are clean, orderly. The cleanliness and the orderliness drives away the agitation and the worry. If you go to a place and everything's upside down, everything's a mess, and it just is telling you in some way, I don't care, some way telling you um, I'm more interested in doing other things and my own things than keeping this place neat. I mean, whenever you go to somebody's home, which we can't do now, but uh, whenever you go to somebody's home, they, they, they always clean it up. They always make sure that it's nice. I went to a home once and uh, rang the doorbell and uh, the little kid came to open the door and uh, clearly the mother was not expecting the kid to open the door because she was still in the middle of or in the last moments of, of cleaning the place but the little kid opened the door and as I looked down the, the mother managed very agilely to throw, throw, I think it was a mop or something, she threw it into a cupboard or something and it was gone. It was gone, you know, like she, that was the last move, like, you know, it was like, a, almost like a basketball hoop, you know, and she's always oh, good to see you, you know, and the last, the last bit had been done, you know, and the little boy came up. It was, uh, and 
And it's not by chance that the two expressions, Dominus Vobiscum, the Lord be with you, and Pax Vobis, peace be with you, are actually interchangeable in the liturgy. Dominus Vobiscum is always used by the priest in the liturgy, and Pax Vobis is always used by the bishop, who is basically also a priest, but just like higher level. Pax Vobis, Dominus Vobiscum, meaning that we are at peace when the Lord is with us. How can I truly obtain this peace that you want from me, Lord? That serenity. No matter what goes on in my life, no matter what agitation, what, what befalls it. Jesus gives it to the apostles, but it is some, also something that is kind of built up within them, this peace, this serenity. Things can happen to my life, I can make mistakes, I can, I can, I can have pain and form of agitation, but the Lord is saying, no, peace, be at peace. St. Osria said that his mother was a woman of peace. He said he always saw her very serene. He never saw her agitated or upset or overly emotional. You know, when, when people are upset or emotional, they always have reasons to be emotional, upset or, or agitated. They, they don't just, you know, for no reason, get emotional, you know, oh, it's a sunny day, oh, it's a sunny day. No, they, they have a reason why. But even if we have a reason, even if things have gone wrong, even if there's been another lockdown, we have to be men and women of peace. We must be like a calm lake where the sun is easily reflected. But if we're agitated, we are like a lake that has waves and ripples and the sun glistens, but you can't really see the sun reflected in that lake, like in a mirror. And God has to be reflected in us. Before you make any decision, you must be at peace, you must be tranquil, you must be serene. And Anxiety seems, uh, around us seems to be growing. It can be stifling, almost, almost paralyzing, even in small things. There were, there were saints in the history of the church that were quite prone to worry and to anxiety, just as the rest of us are. But uh, by placing their trust in God and then the Lord's presence and then the Lord's care, they were over, able to overcome their fears and their anxieties. Doesn't mean they were always super, super tranquil. That often depends on a person's uh, temperament, but um, underlining the, the presence of God gives you peace. Or think of John and James, who wanted to rain down fire on the Samaritans when they passed by there. This was a, a kind of a foreign town to them. They were like opposition, in opposition to them, so they thought, and they had now taken on this new power, 
And they said, Lord, you want to look, there's some Samaritans there. You want us to like blow them away? We could just do it right now. We could just blow them away. Obviously, that was not a decision that was done with much thought. They were just, maybe they had thought about something that the Samaritans had done to them, to the Jewish people, and a surge of anger came, uh, maybe a, a surge of victimhood. And they said, we can, we can do it right now. We can just destroy those guys. And, of course, Jesus had to rebuke them because he knew that their anger was like a, like a virus in their, in their life. Sometimes we get small irritations. Other times, maybe very fierce reactions. Anger with others. Anger with the government. Anger with ourselves. Angry with the weather. I mean, we, can, we can be angry about a lot of things. The Lord says, peace be with you. So what we can ask for in this time of prayer, in this meditation, is the grace to receive God's peace in our heart in a deeper and more abundant way. And to be able to transmit this peace to those around us. Again, that's why people come here, they have to feel peace. They have to go away uh, from here saying, well, whatever they'll say, but maybe they won't put their hand or their finger on it, but they'll understand somehow that this was a place of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And naturally, we can only be peacemakers. We can only transmit peace if we have peace within us. It's not like, uh, I don't know, it's not, it's not like texting a, a message of peace and then the person has peace. St. Paul says in his letter to the Colossians, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in the one body. Let the peace of Christ rule. It's, it's a call. You were called to this. A call to welcome God's peace, which he offers to us. To be at peace is an essential element of our vocation. When we think of Blessed Alvaro, we think of him as a man of peace though he had many responsibilities, or let's say many reasons to get perhaps agitated, but he was at peace. We have received this call to welcome God's peace, God's peace, which he offers us. And it's a, it's a call that is particularly strong today in a, in a world that is quite stricken with fear. It's full of agitation, it's worry, it's all about statistics and how many numbers are in the ICUs and people getting more and more worried. There's no, no longer going to be interprovincial travel. The OPPs are going to be on the, on the, on the provincial border. I mean, who ever heard of a provincial border? We never thought about it in that way, except seeing the, the Quebec sign fly by as we're driving on the 401. And that's about it. But now it's going to be a, a border, like a border border. And this can 
cause many to be agitated. But let us think of it in this terms that, that there's like a true spiritual urgency that we receive and transmit God's peace. That we receive it first, fill ourselves with it, and then transmit it. And it's, you know, we know that our primary obligation is not to be perfect, not to do everything absolutely stunningly orderly. It's not to resolve all the problems of the world or to ensure that the COVID cases go down to zero. Not even to succeed. Our primary obligation is none of those things. Our primary obligation is not that the center functions perfectly, but that we be at peace. That's our obligation. I think about this young woman, a Jewish woman that Jacques Philippe likes to quote from. Her name is Etty Hillesam, who lived in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, during the Second World War. And she experienced somehow a beautiful encounter with God. And during the persecution of the Nazis in 1942, they cracked down on Amsterdam. That's when they had gotten um, Edith Stein and they went and took her out of the monastery together with her sister Rose. They had just decided to crack down on all the Jews and show Etty wrote down in her, in her diary, our only moral obligation, she said, is to cultivate vast fields of peace within ourselves and to extend them little by little until this peace ripples out towards others. And the more peace there is in others, the more there will be in the, in the world in abundance. That's, that's, we want peace in ourselves and then extend it to others. The more the world is in crisis, the more important it is that our hearts be at peace. If our hearts are, are inhabited by grace, by peace, by trust in God, by our deep sense of divine filiation, well, we will learn to lean on the Lord. And the result will be that we will find the right answers, the right responses to difficulties. We will find constructive solutions, decisions that are guided by love, decisions that are guided by, by truth, for all the things that confront us. And we know all of us now are confronted by lots of well, difficult moments. But if, if worry invades our heart, and uh, it's clear that we're gonna, we're gonna react uh, poorly to the, to the events that face us. If you know, we close ourselves off, if we, if we hunker down in our, in our social media, in our little world of, of, in the phone, it's, it's quite easy, but you know, just reading the stream of news and, and the Twitter feed, uh, that we, it's easier for us by reading all these things that people post constantly that we become aggressive and even 
violent even, I guess. And we think that just by clicking a like that we're somehow contributing to the world, right? But uh, we could be at least precipitous in our decisions that don't resolve really anything. We can ask, do I have a fear, fierce temper? Like James and John, who were called the sons of thunder, perhaps because of their impetuous nature. I think our father would, he would get upset over things that didn't go well, that didn't, you know, when he, when he saw sloppy work or, or certainly any kind of cheap attitudes or, in the liturgy and those sorts, certainly doctrinal things. He didn't like that. He didn't like uh, cheap stuff. And sometimes he would correct somewhat harshly, but as though, it's as though he wanted to seize the moment to correct. But he was humble uh, to apologize after if, it was, if he overdid it, which he sometimes did. He, he recognized that. The, his driver, Javier Cotello, the guy who, who drove for many years, has just written a book now about his experience about right, driving our father. And um, he must be quite old now to, to finally come up with his book, but he had been encouraged to write it for some time, and so finally he's written it. And he, he tells a story about one, I mean, he has many, many stories, because he was often driving our father and stuff, but, but he, he was one time driving along some road, and, uh, you know, our father really liked going fast, you know, like, he, like, he would sit in the back and, you know, and then they hit a patch of ice, and then the car started to spin, and uh, he clearly did not have the proper tires. Normally, the proper winter tires would have, but he was going too fast, no proper tires, and they, the car spun in the middle of the road, and they almost went off into a ravine, but he managed to get back into control, and then they were back, you know, facing the right direction after they got off the patch of ice. And uh, the first reaction of our father was to upbraid him for his imprudence of not having the right tires and, and going too fast. It was like the first line he said, but he tapped him on the shoulder from behind, said, but, but you saved us all and we are at peace again. Right? And uh, he said, Whew. you know, like he was just, like he was like, and then you saved us all. Okay, let's keep going. Right, uh, so, uh, peace will save us all. Let's ask this of uh, our Mother, Our Lady of Peace, so that we have that, that reaction, that, that we're always able to be men uh, and women of peace. And thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.